0: This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Balata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Happy Sunday. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Balata with my uh, special co-host today, media personality and philanthropist Joan Kelly Walker. She's back. Hi,
2: Joan. Hi.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm always
2: excited to be here.
1: Oh, I missed you. Now, today's show is all about the importance of choosing yourself and your health above all else. And tonight we'll be joined by Shayne Vidiata. She's been on our show a couple of times now. She'll be sharing her journey uh, with this. Shay is an entrepreneur, wellness advocate, philanthropist, and award-winning human rights activist who believes... You can make money with the purpose of creating a positive impact. She's a founder and executive director of Freedom, one of Canada's leading stakeholders in the anti-human trafficking movement, which she created in 2010. Uh, This this movement um, is something that is dear to Joan and I as well. We are both involved uh, with Freedom. And tonight we'll be chatting about her explanting experience, the harm that uh, can come from breast implants and body confidence. Thanks for joining us, Shay.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. So happy to be here.
1: I know it's been a long time, but um, yeah, I, I love seeing your face. Now, explanting is a term that's becoming more common, but um, it's still fairly new because I really didn't hear about it until you told me about it. <laughs> so what exactly is
0: explanting? So explanting is a simply just uh, a term that identifies women who are choosing to surgically remove their breast implants after they've had augmentation. Hmm.
2: And so why did you choose to do this? What led you to make that decision?
0: Yeah. So I think maybe just to give a little background, um, I had breast implants for totality of about 11 years. I first put my implants in in 2011 in March, and ironically enough, I explanted in March of 2021. Um, And during that time period, I had two sets put in. So women, (laughs) some surgeons don't tell them this, which they should, but any good surgeon will tell you that you should be uh, removing and replacing your implants every 10 years. But many women don't for so many different reasons. And um, over the course that I had mine, so I had two different sets, like I mentioned, I, I started to, you know, I think like many women, you know, especially in my 20s, that's when I, I put them in. Your body is going to go naturally through so many different changes, hormonally, physically, um, and you know, as life goes on, you have different, not necessarily health complications, but certain health issues arise, whether it's stress in the body, it could be depression for some people, anxiety, joint pain. There's all these different symptoms that can happen due to implants in the body that are completely overlooked as a contributor or the cause of those symptoms within the body. And for me about, I would say about five years ago, I really started to do a deep body hack because I would get these red um, spots that would appear all over my body. Sometimes they they were kind of like um, red, dry patches, and they would vary in size as well. Sometimes they were flaky, sometimes they weren't. So I went through this. Like, is it eczema? Is it psoriasis? Is it something I'm eating? Am I having an allergic reaction? Is it hormonal? You know, i I turned 38 this year, so you know, going back five years, you know, there's lots of hormonal changes happening in, in my own body as a woman where I'm at in my life, and so I was going through all these different sessions from with naturopaths and dermatologists to live blood analysis. Uh, personnel looking at (laughs) so many different areas of my body and not one person, not one doctor said, could it be your implants? And so for the longest time, I never considered it. Um, I did have a best friend of mine who over the years would say to me, do you think it could be your implants? And you ladies might recall, but back in 2018, There was this is where I actually first I heard of the word explanting, but I kind of dismissed it because I really didn't want to. I think truthfully, hear about it. Um, But back in 2018, there was this trending word of explanting, um, and there was a major recall for textured implants in North America. And you might recall that, but it was like all over the news that women, if you had textured implants. They were being recalled and they needed to be removed. And at that time I called my surgeon um, who you ladies would both probably know. Um, He's one of Toronto's top surgeons. In my opinion, he is the best surgeon in Toronto, arguably maybe even in Canada. And he said, I've never used textured implants in my practice. You have smooth round silicone implants with cohesive gel. You are completely fine. And that for me, I just kind of put that to rest. I was like, I'm completely fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what my surgeon says. And I, I literally went on my way again. And at that time when this was happening, my best friend brought it up to me again. And I remember feeling upset. (laughs) I was like, I, I like my breasts. I like my boobs. I love how my body is and I mean, you both know me. Anybody who's listening who doesn't know me, I'm not a skinny mini size four. I am like I am a full woman. I have hips, you know, I have thighs. And my my breasts, I they were always very small. And so my the implants that I put in, I had 450 cc's. Um, they complemented my body composition and they looked very natural. And and I love that. And so the thought of removing that from me was frustrating or I didn't want to acknowledge that this could be a problem in my body, especially after my surgeon says you're fine. you have quote unquote nothing to worry about." And it's a much longer story, but you know the four years that I was really doing this these different body hacks, um, it wasn't until October of 2021, uh, that I, I actually, I had COVID, I got COVID and COVID, like you guys know, so many people have so many different symptoms or things happen to them when, they, when they've had COVID. And for me, COVID attacked my kidney and gave me a wicked kidney infection. And it also caused nerve damage to my kidney. And in this time of trying to figure out what was going on with my kidney, that's where it really forced me to look at what was really, what is happening internally in my body and, uh, both Laura and Joan know I am, I'm also a huge health net, you know, I'm very conscious of clean living and toxic free living. And at some point that kind of calls into question these implants that no matter how premium of a product you have, it's a foreign object that's in your body that releases toxins in your body. And it's going to contribute to the toxic load in your body, no matter how you look at it. And for me, my goal is always to optimize my health. And so that was when I really first started to go, okay, let me go online. Let me look up this term, which truthfully If I'd heard it before, like I said, it never registered. Like I heard the word explanting in 2018 and it kind of went in one year out the other. And in October, November of 2021, a girlfriend in Costa Rica uh, said to me, BII said, what is that? She said, you don't know what BII is. I'm like, no, not at all. She's like breast implant illness. And that's just simply. A term that is utilized when women are starting to have bizarre symptoms or behavioral even um, issues like mood swings or like a crazy chronic uh, depression that's like unexplained that has just like come into into their life. Um, And so I started really going down this rabbit hole of what is breast implant illness? What are the symptoms? But then also going, what are the ingredients in implants, you know, what are implants actually made of and looking at the long list of neurotoxins and the different chemicals, even carcinogens that are in implants. And it started to become very crystal clear to me, you know, that no matter what, like I just mentioned, you could have the most premium product. And this foreign object is still laced with different heavy metals and carcinogens and neurotoxins, That are sitting in my body, and so maybe these red spots that I was having, um, that were I would have these flare ups, was it directly related? No one can say yes or no, but I can absolutely say with certainty that it was contributing to the toxic load in my body, and that's what started my journey of going, okay, what does it look like to remove my breast implants? And I'm going to explant, and that that was the decision. Wow. Did
2: you ever have uh, a, like your surgeon or a medical doctor or a, uh, a naturopath or a homeopath or anyone uh, agree with you? Like, did they help guide you through this process or you were doing this completely on your own?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I brought it up to my naturopath and um, her first reaction was, you're not the first patient to come to me concerned about their implants. Um, and so she definitely supported my decision. I truthfully didn't go to my surgeon until I had made the decision and I had shared with him that I was going to be going public with my story and, and not in a shameful way, you know, um, not in a shameful way, just, just in sharing my journey and sharing my story. And I wanted him to know first, um, and he was very, uh, supportive you know, just saying it's going to be hard for you. And I'm here for you if you have any questions, but there wasn't, um, kind of like that outreach of saying, Hey, do you want to talk about this further as to why, or what's driving you to do this?
1: Interesting. I feel like we have to do our own due diligence when it comes to our health, because Mm -hmm. doctors, don't always have the answer sometimes you do need a second third fourth opinion depending like it's so scary out there right now well uh it's time for a quick break and after the break we're going to be discussing the dangers that can come with breast implants we'll be right back
0: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellada with Joan Kelly Walker, joined by our guest tonight, Shay Nvidiata, getting back to our chat on implants and
2: why you should think twice about getting them. And before the break, we were talking about some of the bizarre symptoms and mood swings and unexplained things that can come sometimes with breast implant illness. So I I have to ask, now, does it make a difference Uh, If you have saline implants, as opposed to some of these other ones that have like the gel, like the plastics and the contents inside of breast implants, um, you know, you've used the analogy where if you leave a plastic water bottle heating up in your car, you wouldn't drink the water that's inside it. So why is having implants inside of you for so many years an issue? What is happening under the surface?
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic question. So, you know, I shared uh, before the break that I had um, cohesive gel and, you know, you just Joan, you just brought up having saline, which is basically like salt water for people that might not know that. So, you know, is one better than the other? The answer is yes, maybe one is better than the other, but it's the outside shell that is surrounding what's on the inside that is really what's causing I'm going to call it the chemical reaction in the human body. And so the chemical makeup of, of the silicone is what's loaded with the neurotoxins, what's loaded with the carcinogens. And, um, you know, I've, I could list off some of those chemicals, but some of them are very hard to say. So rather than me do that, you could always go to my blog on shayandcocom post. And you will see um, on the blog there inside um, the FDA approved product. That's the best blog post to go read. I put all of the chemicals there and also even the symptoms. And so, you know, Joan, you I, I did. I talk about this a water bottle analogy, I think, because we can all relate to it, right? If you've got a plastic water bottle that has got water inside of it and it's been sitting in your car, even for a few hours, I personally won't drink it after, after it's been heated. But most people know if it's been sitting in your car for a day or more, you shouldn't drink it. Why? Because the heat is breaking down the chemicals in that plastic that's seeping into the water and it's unhealthy for us to be drinking that. So no different than an implant, regardless of the contents that's within the implant or within that water bottle, it's the outsides that's carrying the most toxins. And when those are being heated and seeping into the body, that's what's causing these symptoms of what we call breast implant illness. And that can be anything from anxiety, fatigue, muscle pain, uh, you know, migraines and different headaches. There's tremendous weight loss, weight gain. You know, you see thyroid um, issues popping up in women from them losing their hair, having mood swings. There's so many different symptoms that can arise from having these toxins in the body. And unfortunately, there are no real studies done. And you would think that this has been done because the FDA has approved breast implants for decades now. And initially breast implants were not approved and somehow magically they got approved. When was that Jay?
1: When were they not approved?
0: Don't fully quote me on this. I believe it's in the fifties that they were not approved. And then suddenly not too long later the FDA came out and said, Oh, we changed our mind basically, which for me is just a big paycheck from big pharma. um, you know, and I say all of the time, there's no money in healthy people, right? The money is in people who are sick, people who have depression, chronic fatigue, hair loss, you know, you start going down the list of symptoms and you're like, wow, there's a drug for that. There's a pill for that. There's a doctor that you'd have to pay for private care to go see for that symptom. Right. So it, it makes sense that they said no. And then all of a sudden they said yes. Um, and You know, many, many times, and that this is not what this show is about. So I don't want to get into it too much. But just because the FDA approves something doesn't mean that it's safe. There's been so many recalled products by the FDA over the years um, after they've approved something. So again, you know, we talked about it before the break about the importance of really doing your own research. And it's only been since I believe it's 2019 that this. The FDA has been called into accountability. Like there's been women, so many women, thousands of women all over the world are really starting to speak out on their story of, of what's happening with their implants. And only now are they putting the black label warning on the box for implants. And so no different than if you were to buy cigarettes today, right? You've got the black label warning being like, cigarettes can kill you, can lead to cancer, this is what's now only now being done with implants. And so I actually don't know what the process would be now. If you were to go in for a consultation with a surgeon, I'm not sure if they are obligated to read you those black box warnings. Um, Because even with my own surgeon who, you know, again, I have a lot of respect for him. I have a lot of even love for him. Um, He didn't explain to me the health concerns that could arise from implants. He explained to me the risks of surgery and complications that could go wrong. Um, But I was not told that I could come down with autoimmune disorder. I was not told that I could have, you know, rashes all over my body. Um, That wasn't told to me. And so I don't know if that would be the process now with having this black label, but regardless of what is or is not happening, I think it's alarming that just only a couple of years back or three years back now, the FDA has said, yeah, we need to put this block label box on implants because there's been so many cases and so many women coming um, forward that they're under that much scrutiny that that's the reason now they're putting this on the box.
2: And probably so much of it is misdiagnosed. Like you go in with these bizarre sure. symptoms, and they're going to just stick a label on it. So they're treating something else. And you know, if you have a, a saline implant that ruptures, you know it right away, because the saline is just absorbed by your body. But if you have a gel implant that ruptures, you don't know because it does right. start to leak out. And even though it's the outer surface of the implant, that's the dangerous part, the gel inside leaking out can cause a lot more problems. And I'm just thinking of a woman that had reached out to me on Instagram and I've never met her in purpose on in in person but she sent me photos of what came out of her body after her Mm -hmm. explant and Mm -hmm. it was like a foreign object didn't look anything like an implant um I've never seen anything like it and it was pretty horrifying and she was having all of those symptoms completely misdiagnosed and like you she went through the process of her own due diligence and just finally made that decision and uh you know that has to affect you emotionally and how you feel about your body and your structure and the balance and, you know, all the curves that we have. Um, so anyway, I was just sharing that because you don't know necessarily if it's ruptured or if right. that is the cause and there's nowhere to turn to, to, to get that information. So it, that's why it's so important. We're having this conversation.
0: I, I agree.
2: And as a woman, you know, I, I, I feel like we're, we're
1: constantly feeling this pressure to look a certain way and we turn to procedures like breast Mm -hmm. implants to help us fit this image that we feel we need to fit it fit. Right. And, um, I'm not sure that this would stop like many women struggling with a negative body image. Like, I I think that, that although there are warnings, I feel that a lot of women would still, you know, go under the knife and and get breast implants. Do you guys feel the same?
0: Yeah, I really yeah, don't totally I don't I don't disagree. I think there's there's really for me two answers to that. Both are yes, but you've got societal pressure to look a certain way that's also condoned and pushed on by men. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. we all know And women too. And and women too, yes, you know, but I know so many of so many girls that they got their implants because their boyfriend purchased them for them when they were really young and said, you know, you'd look so much better if you had, and therefore they, they got them, you know, and different husbands do that too. Like I'm not yeah, just saying and it's like
2: parents do it for young 100%, girls.
0: They do yeah. percent. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. 15, 16, 17, 18. Like these are young girls whose parents do it for them. Oh, she's yeah. not happy with the way she looks. I want her to be more comfortable. And then you go to a doctor and they, you know, will often tell you, well, they're very safe. Here's the statistics. And, mm-hmm. and so the parents make a decision based on what the the young girl wants.
0: Yeah. No, it is. It's true. And this is why I also think it's, it's so important to be having these conversations with men as well, because I think the more that men are aware as to the actual health concerns and health risks that are associated. um, and that can come with implants. We have a better chance of actually shifting the culture around, you know, what is beautiful. And there are other options. Like this is for me and I'm, I'm sure you guys could appreciate this. Um, you know, there's a beautiful thing called reconstructive surgery and you could go in and have a surgeon take fat, your own fat from an unwanted area. And this is where I say, like, how many women would sign up for this? If you told me I could go in and take fat from my inner thighs or like off my stomach or your arms or wherever it is, you know, you as a woman that you're like, I really wish that I didn't have that there. And you could put that into my chest to give me more volume that I want. How many women would sign up and say yes to that versus having a foreign object put into their body? But does that I've never heard of that before? That's amazing. It
2: isn't I've heard
1: of it being like injected into the lips, for example, but would that stay in the breast
0: area? Yeah. So
1: there's a certain amount of years and then you have to redo it.
0: Well, okay. So with breast implants you are supposed to replace them every 10 years. So regardless of if you're getting implants or if you're putting doing what we, at that point it's called a fat transfer, both scenarios you should be you, with the fat transfer, it doesn't mean you're going to have to. There's a possibility that you may need to have further reconstructive surgery to like replace that fat as years goes on. Your body's going to change, you lose weight, you know, you have, you gain weight, you have a child. Now you don't have a child, right? Like there's many different variables there, but no different than with breast implants. You are supposed to replace them every eight to 10 years. And so that, that option is, is almost the same. And then with fat transfers, and this is part of why a surgeon won't suggest it is because everybody's body is different. You don't know how um, the fat is going to hold or be received in the body as well when it's transferred from one area to the next. And anytime you do a fat transfer, you are exposing the fat to oxygen, which kills some of those cells and then also makes it harder for it to reattach and reintegrate into the body for wherever you're transferring it to. So, you know, for myself, my fat might hold better than Jones, you know, being moved from one place to the other. And a surgeon can't tell you Jones is going to not stay as long as Shay's. Like there's no, you're not able to tell that until you do it. Mm -hmm. So that is
1: goes with injections. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and, and I do understand this from a surgical standpoint. I think, you know, we, as women and we like looking beautiful, could understand this, that a surgeon doesn't want to take that on because you will have women that are going to complain saying my expectation was I was going to come out being a C cup and I'm only a B Or they leave being a C cup and in eight months from now, a year from now, they've, you know, their bodies have changed or the fat they've lost weight and they come back and they blame it on the surgeon. Right. So there's, there's definitely some hurdles to that side, but I think that there would, could be ways for a surgeon to um, implement, I'm going to say kind of like these, these measures or these disclosures, if you will, so that a woman can still make an informed decision And have that option of going, okay, well, this is natural. It may not hold as long, but it's way healthier for me, especially for me. I haven't had kids yet. Like, I think about breastfeeding now, knowing what I know with implants. It's like, thank God I don't have mine in. But I know many women that have had children and have breastfed with their implants, learning what they know afterwards. It's like, it's very hard to digest, you know? So, As long as you're giving, as long as you're giving women informed decisions to make that proper decision. And, and again, you know, you sign that waiver when you go in, right? We're going to continue this conversation. We're also going to chat about um,
1: Shay's experience with explanting as well. When we come back, don't go anywhere.
2: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's news, today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: It's Sunday night. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker and our special guest, Shay Invidiata getting back to our discussion on her explant journey.
2: So, Shay, you know, I have to say thank you so much for being so open and sharing so candidly. Uh, These are a lot of personal questions, I know, but I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there and uh, it's important to talk about this stuff. So can we talk about the actual process of what Mm -hmm. it was like making that decision and going through it emotionally and physically?
0: Yeah, it's it is. It's a very important question and one that. I really believe women need to prepare themselves for. Like it was I I shared, you know, already how I went down this quote unquote rabbit hole of doing my research. And once you know something, it's really hard to unknow it, especially when it's in your body. And so for me, that became simple. It was like I value my health above all else. Um, you know, health is wealth and if you don't have that, no matter how much money you have, you know, sometimes you can't fix your health. And so for me, it's a priority. And so it became simple, but that doesn't mean that the decision was at all easy. And I really spent months mentally preparing that my body, not just that my body was going to change, but also how I was going to feel was going to change, you know, and I think maybe like a, a, a comparable analogy to maybe help like other women understand who either don't have breast implants or um you know don't necessarily aren't thinking about this conversation but you know when you when you have your hair done a certain way and you have your nails done you know you feel you feel good about yourself right like when we when we put ourselves together and i felt like i needed to prepare that this was going to be a change that i actually couldn't fix um And this was not like going to the hair salon and getting my hair done or going and getting my nails done. And I would say the one thing I did not know to prepare for, um, was how really how my scars were going to look afterwards. And again, no surgeon can tell you what your scarring is going to be like. Um, and it's still, I have to say in this present moment, it's still very hard for me. Um, You know, my incision that I had was like basically a a smiley face that was at the bottom of my nipple. And that was for putting in my implants. And right now I have, I got what's called a U-flap procedure done. Uh, There's only one surgeon uh, that I'm aware of that knows how to do this. He actually invented it in Costa Rica, but basically they make the, like a happy face at the bottom of your breast. Um, and so it's like a full, like almost like a half moon and they pull out that part of your stomach. So you're basically at like the top of your rib cage, if you will. And then they take the fat that's on my stomach there. And he flips it up into my, my breast cup in order to do that. He has to make what's kind of like an anchor, uh, incision. So I have that half circle. I actually have my whole circle of my nipple. So it's all the way around. He takes off my nipple then he cuts the center of my breast and then this half moon along the bottom so it's it's pretty gnarly it's not a joke um and that for me was not something I prepared for even though I watched the videos and I watched the animation of how the surgical procedure is done but why
1: can't they why can't they take it out the way it goes
2: in because then you'd have loose skin right like they want to keep it
0: yeah and you know, a, as t- like you're almost having a breast lift you, you are. And so this time. is, yeah. Okay. And so Laura, you bring up a good question that leads into a very important point. Your surgeon matters as to who performs the explant procedure. Mm-hmm. Not all surgeons who put in implants know how to remove them or remove them properly. It's a very different skill set, And there are many women that will go and not only just get their breast implant removed and they get sewn back up. And it's, it's horrific looking in my opinion, uh, cause Joan alluded to the fact that you have this skin, the saggy skin. And for me, it's very like Halloween looking almost it's, it's, it's hard to look at. The further issue is that many surgeons don't know how to remove the capsule that's formed around the breast implant. So the capsule, when the foreign object goes into the body, it goes, there's something here that shouldn't be here. And it's trying to protect the rest of your body from this foreign object that has just gone in and it creates this capsule around it. And depending on how long you've had, it can depend on the buildup of bacteria, mold, calcification, um, different different issues that can arise within that capsule. And so it's super important that the capsule with the X or the implant inside is removed in totality from the body and it's not left in there. It does not break down. Many surgeons will tell you that it does and it doesn't. There's tons of research on it. Again, you can go to my blog on shaneco.com. And I have a whole section on your surgeon and why your surgeon matters. What advice do you
1: have then for, for someone choosing a surgeon? I think that would be difficult. Like that would be the hardest part.
0: It is. So there's a fabulous list of over 150,000 women who have explanted, um, who there's, there's this comprised list of surgeons around the world that know how to, how to properly explant. And that's on my website on the blog. Um, And there are, there's only one surgeon in Canada uh, that is on this list and he's in Montreal. So anybody in Canada listening, that is absolutely who I would recommend you go and see his contact information is, is on my website If you're in the States, there's many more options. They're not a ton. You might have to travel out of state, um, but there are more options in the U S for surgeons who know how to properly explant. For me, I'm lucky. There's, there was the top seven surgeons in the world that do this. And one of them happened to be in Costa Rica. So um, for those listening, I moved in, I moved to Costa Rica in September of 2021. So um, for me, that was just a, a very emotional moment when I saw his name on the list um it was kind of like another affirmation point for me but yeah so you can't just how you put it in it's not necessarily how you can take it out i did do a lift um because again i was 450 cc so those are generous size tatas right so what are, take are that, those d's <laughs> dip, well if you if you're shopping at victoria's secret I, it's like a i think it's a c and, and sometimes it's a d but it's like a cd like it's a generous okay. you know wow. and and then how long is
2: the healing process like how how long after the explant did you actually feel like okay I'm done I'm healed I can resume all normal activities this is what it is
0: Yeah so I was um, I literally couldn't walk for more than a minute a day for the first three weeks um, oh my goodness yeah I was an in intense uh, not like intense pain but it is it is a serious recovery and then it was a full wow. Three, four months before I could lift anything that was over 10 pounds. And we are, September 2nd was my sixth month. And I am only now back in the gym, like properly lifting. But even still, I have to be careful. It's, you've really got to feel into your body, you know, and like listen and not push yourself beyond what your body can can really handle, but Girl, it's, it's I about so, six months.
1: I am so proud of you. Uh, we're gonna stop to take a, one last quick break. And after the break, we'll be discussing what Shay learned from her explanting journey.
0: From singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Velada with Joan Kelly Walker. Shay Invidiata is in studio tonight, getting back into our chat about explants and what uh, you can learn from this process. Now, Shay, getting implants removed was a big decision for you after listening to your story. Can you tell us some of the biggest lessons that you learned from explanting?
0: Yes. So I'll share a little bit of, um, what happened to me that brought me to, I think the biggest lesson I've learned in this. So before surgery, as many would probably think or assume, you go through different protocols to make sure that you're um, properly sound for surgery, right? So I had to go get blood work done. I needed to go get a breast ultrasound done. If you're over 40, um, you'll have like mammogram done, just making sure that you're totally fit to go into surgery. And the day before my surgery is when I had my breast ultrasound and what the doctor, I didn't have a nurse who did it, which normally you would have a nurse do your ultrasound, Um, I had a doctor. And so he told me right then and there that both my implants, not huge, but that he could see bubbles in my implants. That meant that there was seepage, basically slightly leaking. And what is not known, obviously, is how long that's happened for. Did it just start happening the week before my surgery? Did it happen five years ago? Does it happen once a month? Like no doctor will ever be able to answer that question for me. And I walked out of the hospital that day, thanking God that my surgery was tomorrow because I would not have the mental capacity to know three months prior that, you know, my implants were showing signs of of leakage. So the biggest lesson for me coming out of that was this whether you decide you want to remove your implants or you want to keep them. And like I said, I, it's a, it's a hard decision. Like there's no two ways around that. What I urge women to do is invest in yourself and invest in your body and your health, go and do an ultrasound at least once a year and find out that your implants are still fine. I do not know why surgeons do not say part of having implants and your homework will be, you need to come and do an annual checkup. And I'm going to see if your implants are still fine. It would make more money for the surgeon. And I mean, you can go and get it covered. You know, you can go get an ultrasound done. If you're in Canada, we have that covered through our healthcare. Um, if you want to get it done privately and quicker, then you go see your surgeon and you pay, I think it's like 110 bucks to go get an ultrasound done. But for me, even knowing what I know, I'd want to do mine twice a year to make sure that everything's fine because you don't know what you don't know. And you might not have like for me, I shared really the biggest thing for me was these spots that appeared all over my body. And I've posted them on my blog as well. So you can you'll see them if you go there. But I didn't have crazy symptoms like some women who are developing autoimmune disorder or chronic depression or major anxiety or hair loss gain like weight gain. I have inflammation in my body. I have all kinds of different collective things that, you know, I think my implants were, are contributing to, but I wouldn't have ever thought, oh, these red spots could be because my implants are maybe leaking or they may be seeping through. And so that's my biggest takeaway. And my biggest encouragement to women is, you know, honor your body in that way and, and invest in yourself, go get an ultrasound done at least once a year, every six months, if you can, just to make sure that at least nothing on the inside is taking place that you're visibly not aware of on the outside. So are you feeling better since the explant of the rashes diminished? the rashes well, they haven't, they haven't appeared um, again. And so that's a very positive thing for myself. I can't say right now that like my, I feel like a difference in my energy level or anything like that. The biggest thing I noticed though, was I'm able to take a breath in so much deeper um, than I ever have been able to. And I'm, I'm also a free diver, which means I don't use an oxygen tank. I also, I am a scuba diver, but you use a tank then free diving. You don't. And so your capacity to hold oxygen and hold your breath is like super important for me. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that was one of the biggest things I noticed and keep in mind right now, I'm only in my six month mark and the process of still detoxing your body. Is a long time. Like it can take up to a year just to get gluten out of your body. So never mind neurotoxins and carcinogens and different heavy metals that are in your body. So for me, I think it's going to be really fascinating. And maybe we'll we could do this in a year's time is come back on the show and be like, How's my body physically changed? People say to me all the time that I'm glowing. Like they're like your skin you know, look so incredible. If you go online and you look at different women's stories, one of the biggest differentials you can see in women almost immediately is the color and the brightness of their, of the white in your eye, where some of the women have really more like yellowy, even gray eyes. And then almost within 24 or 48, 72 hours, after ex-planting, you can see the difference of how much whiter their eyes are. I'm going to come back on the show. Can I Laura? (laughs) (laughs) I'm inviting myself back and you know, I'll I'll let you know what the update is. (laughs) I want to hear about this ebook that you created. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I went through it and I just said, you know, if I could prepare women for like small things you don't think about, like you can't bend down after surgery for like three weeks. And it's like, well, how are you going to charge your phone? You know, and normally you'd have to bend down. So it's like making sure to bring like a nine foot long charging cord and like slippers because you're, you know, to be cozy, like all these different things that you don't think about meal preparation, you literally can't do anything like at all. So unless like, luckily for me, I was in a recovery center and my meals were brought to me, but I recognize not everybody can do that. So it's like thinking ahead of like meal prep. And so basically the ebook is a pre-surgery, meaning you've made the decision to explant and this is going to help you get prepared. So everything you need to do three months out all the way up to the night before, including even the morning of journaling affirmations, you know, we talked about your body's going to change and mentally you need to get prepared for that. And so my ebook walks you through that process. Um and I make myself available. So if somebody wants to get in touch, I'm happy to help and support them as well. Um, But it's really there to guide you and hand handhold you kind of through the process of getting ready for surgery up until surgery day.
1: Shay, you are such an incredible woman. (laughs) Agree. All Uh, that you do. Right. All that you do. Uh, Now, I know explanting was probably a really big decision for you, um, but I'm so glad that you did it. Right. And um, how can people learn more about your journey, find your ebook uh, and just connect with you?
0: Yeah, I'd love to do that, of course. And thank you for your kind words. You can follow me on Instagram, Shay and Vidiata. I know it's a mouthful, but if it's easier, you can go to my website first, which is just shayandco.com. And if you go on the blog there, or if you go under shop, that's where you'll find the ebook. Uh, the blog has all my posts with lots of resources, even um, different detoxes that you can do post-surgery. And of course, my Instagram is also linked up there. Um, so you can connect with me. And I I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions. Uh, like I said, I I make myself available. I just think this is such an important topic. And as you said, it is not an easy decision. So uh it's so important as women that we're supporting each other and that we don't feel alone in in this type of process. So
1: So agreed. And Joan, where can we get a hold of you?
0: On
2: Instagram as Joan Kelly Walker Official or my website, JoanKellywalker.com.
1: Thank you. And you can uh, follow me on Instagram and TikTok official or Bellotta and check out my website singleinthecity.ca if you are single and looking for love. Thank you. See you next week, guys.